What do you take refuge in? I'd like to share a story, an enlightenment story, an enlightenment story of one of the ancestors who was enlightened by sound. So that's inspiring. And it's also inspiring because it's a story of leaving behind ingrained habits and views and turning towards life as it is. These enlightenment stories may seem remote, but ideally they serve to touch something alive in us as Zen practitioners, as human beings. I like to say that nobody comes to Zen practice because everything's going so awesome. And it's important when we meet newcomers to the practice, those of you who are in the service position, perhaps of being a greeter, you should know how important that position is. You can assume that people are coming to practice for a reason. Maybe you can reflect on the reason you came to practice. Maybe there was a question lodged deep. Maybe there was pain, physical, emotional, an unsolvable problem, a broken heart, just being lost. We meet the inevitable suffering of life, no matter where we come from. No matter what our circumstances, this unites us all. It's no small thing to come and be willing to sit and look. Perhaps before we get to that point in the process of trying to deal with life, we might try taking refuge in a whole panoply of things. Intellectual knowledge, knowing or certainty in general, feeling good, approval, being liked, being loved, status, power, numbing out, avoiding pain, money, security. We all have something, don't we? We may have practiced it for years, devoted our lives to it, 
We may have developed some very powerful habits. These are habits of survival. And so there's something legitimate about it. But these are often self-making habits. Habits that we're trying to be somebody. Which is, of course, a fundamental misunderstanding. I think that's just such a tactful phrase, right? There's been a misunderstanding. And all this misunderstanding and all this doing and trying to be somebody, we forget how to just be. We forget who we really are. Apparently, brain research bears this out, that the more you do a thing, the more you can do that thing. So whatever you do, a whole bunch, you get really good at it. It becomes ingrained, second nature. Anybody who's learned how to play a musical instrument can perhaps attest to this. It takes practice, but with practice you get good at it. But for a lot of these things, they don't really satisfy. It doesn't work. And so we hit a wall. Perhaps our initial fuel for practice might have been unsustainable. An unsustainable fuel. So let's just maybe honor the polluting jet fuel that might have gotten you here. Honor hitting the wall. Maybe hitting the wall a few times, maybe countless times. People usually do their thing until its usefulness runs out. That tool no longer works. It may take a lot of times to decide that that's what's happening. It doesn't work. At that point, we're often forced to find something new, to let our hearts break, to surrender. If you're sitting here, and perhaps if you're listening to this, you have probably, to some extent, realized that it's time to do things differently. Nobody signs up for a 10-day sashin without a profound willingness to do things differently, to look diligently. And let's honor the deep practitioner heart in each and every one of you. So I'd like to share the story of enlightenment of uh, Kyogen Chikan. 
in Chinese, his name is Xiangyan Jersian. So we don't chant that name in the lineage. He was a 9th century Tang Dynasty teacher in China. And I'll say a little more about his connections in a minute. But um, enlightenment stories are often examples of koans. And koans are powerful human technology. The structure of koans are often conversations between Zen teachers or Zen teacher and the Zen student, and they include questions that we can take up for ourselves. In doing so, these questions really require us to straddle the absolute and the relative, which often puts us in quite a bind, not just to articulate the breadth, the totality, but to demonstrate our understanding. In this process, koans can do a very good job of laying bare our habits and strategies, our conventional understandings, which do not work. Koan practice can be very humbling when you're sure there's no other answer and you have to sit with it and then something new emerges. You realize for yourself what's been pointing to, what's been pointed to. Enlightenment stories and koans can also be encouragers when we find ourselves in a bind or a crossroads, or unsure how to proceed, or what to do, we see that others have been here already. Others have been here long before us. Kyogen was a brilliant scholar. He was often described, there's not much information available about him, but wherever he is described, often the word included is, uh, articulate, erudite, strong, memory, uh, bright, talented. And from childhood, he loved learning. He studied briefly under Master Hyakujo, who then died soon after Kyogen began his training. So he continued his training under Isan Reyu, also not in our chanted lineage, but Kyogen's Dharma sister was Liu Temo, who we do chant in the women's lineage. She was a very powerful teacher, sometimes known as Iron Grinder Liu. So this is a powerful Dharma family that Kyogen comes from. Isan, the teacher, could easily see Kyogen's brilliance but his department, the teacher's department, is the opening of the spiritual eye. So Isan says to him, I don't want to hear from you what you've learned from scriptures, accumulated studies and speculations. 
Just give me the essential word about yourself before you were born. Before you knew either essential word about yourself before you were born. Before you knew east or west. Sometimes this is the koan, show me your face before your parents were born. Your original face. Show me. Kyogen was at a loss. He couldn't utter a word. And so he presented time after time to his teacher. Flummoxed silence. Can you imagine this brilliant scholar who had always been so good at everything, at learning, at knowing, Time after time to his teacher, he couldn't get it. He'd be silent, mumble answers. Totally off his balance. Esau never accepted his answers. What was missing, do you think? Kyogen went back and searched through all his books to find something to answer his teacher. He couldn't find a single phrase. Finally, exhausted, he hit the wall. He ran out of all his tools that he knew. And he finally, at the end, begged his teacher, please teach it to me. And Isan said, even if I might show it to you, it's my word and has nothing to do with your answer. Kyogen was disappointed and despondent. And he said, pictures of cake do not satisfy hunger. What a realization right there. He took out all his books, all his notes, and set them all on fire. Imagine that. He was so driven to despair by his inability to break through that he gave up his training and left Isan's monastery in tears. Just imagine giving up everything. And yet, was it giving up? Or was it surrender? Pictures of cake do not satisfy hunger. What was that hunger? So after he burned all of his books and left the monastery, he said, I'll just become a common mendicant monk and I won't apply my mind to this anymore. 
Was this a reactive moment? Or was burning his books removing a familiar exit door? In his wandering, he visited the grave of national teacher Echu, who was a Zen teacher of the emperors a couple hundred years before. So it was there that Kyogen decided to lead the rest of his life as a nameless gravekeeper. And that's what he did. And just imagine what that was like for him, just sweeping, just cleaning gravestones, tending grave sites, weeding. Was that giving up? Or was this a shift in his practice? Was it a practice of devotion? Pictures of cake do not satisfy hunger. It's not clear how long this went on. It could have been years. Do you think he surrendered? Let go of the outcome? One day, while he was cleaning the yard, Kyogen was sweeping the walkway, apparently quite vigorously. I would surmise that he was sweeping wholeheartedly because he swept a broken piece of tile hard enough that it flew up and hit some bamboo. Thwack! And at that moment, at that sound, he was enlightened. And he started laughing. He went to his hut and he changed his clothes. He lit incense and prostrated himself in the direction of his teacher. And he said, the compassion of Isan is indeed greater than my parents. Back then, if you had explained it, how could this have come to pass? And there are subsequent verses that Kyogen wrote, these enlightenment verses, in which his experience is verified by his teacher, but then further challenged. So there's a whole series of these verses that sort of explicate his, his enlightenment experience. A subsequent verse goes, I have a function. It's seen in the twinkling of an eye. If others don't see it, they still can't call me a novice. What confidence. How different from the despondent, tearful scholar 
who ran out of the monastery. It reminds me of that part of the komyozo zanmai that we chant. If you trust and open to the meaning of these words, you won't need to ask anyone what is right or wrong. You will intimately realize reality as if you'd come face to face with your grandfather in the village. It's that kind of confidence when you see for yourself. I like this koan too, or this story, because it speaks to the open-ended duration and the not knowing of practice. The times when you can't know if or when anything is happening at all. And sitting here waiting for something to happen, that is a big mistake. Maybe we all need to find that out for ourselves too. And would you say that Isan is a tough teacher? And yet his refusal to give Kyogen an answer is the deepest expression of compassion. Maybe you've experienced how hard it is to let someone make their own mistakes, what we might consider mistakes, right? How hard that is. How hard to offer people the freedom to find their own way. That's a huge compassion right there. Many koans and stories like this are like the highlight reels of the sports news sudden enlightenment. I do love baseball and highlight reels. But in those, you don't get the every single pitch, every ball, every strike, every foul ball, every play of every whole baseball game. And some people think baseball is really slow and boring. But this story, this story speaks to the question of effort. Of devotion. And letting go of the outcome. The Buddha said, I and all beings together realize enlightenment. I and all beings together realize enlightenment. Together. All beings. If this is true, then what are we doing here? What are we doing? How much effort are we making? And towards what? 
an important question. What is the fuel of this practice, of your practice? Is any of our experience ever wasted? What came before this moment? I learned that the national teacher, Chu, the gravesite that Kyogen tended, that teacher was said to have spent 40 years of rigorous practice and study in the mountains. And it's noted that he had thoroughly mastered all aspects of scriptural study as well as meditation practice. So here was someone who was able to harmonize both. And this is, this is the gravesite that Kyogen chose to attend, to devote his life to. So nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Here's another story about Kyogen. Zen Master Kyogen entered the hall and addressed the monks, saying, The way is attained by means of enlightenment and is not found in words. It is mysterious and majestic and without the slightest breach. Don't belabor your mind. Just turn the light inward. Those disciples using total effort every day to realize enlightenment are just backward and confused. Just turn the light inward. I hear this reference to total effort. It's like striving, trying to get something, trying to get somewhere, trying to be someone. Like Myoyu said today earlier, right before work practice, which I found so helpful today. She said that sometimes work practice can be a burden and sometimes it can be a joy, but either way we're practicing being wholehearted regardless of conditions. So how to surrender and keep going. Well, we're already being carried. We're being carried by the river. How many hands brought you one bite of breakfast today. What is it that takes this next breath? Maybe you've had a glimpse into things as they are. Maybe you've had some 
what I've heard referred to as divine discomfort. Maybe something has instilled faith in the path. What was it for you? What is it for you right now? What's alive? What a blessing, what a gift to let go of some idea of getting something, of being someone else, of the improvement project. This is our opportunity. You can't know what's happening in your practice Anyway, perhaps until conditions call it forth. It's kind of none of your business, actually. Koans are great when you don't have any kind of conundrum or crisis or unanswerable question. And they can really focus the mind on practice on answering for yourself what is true. Maybe it's not as dramatic as a tile hitting bamboo or a full-on enlightenment experience. Maybe, maybe just showing up to life a little differently. In my experience, this has happened with family crisis, for example. I had a difficult relationship with my dad for much of my life. And when he had a massive heart attack a few years ago, I flew to the Midwest to be there to find him on life support with no brain activity. What to do? You go see him in the morning. And comb his hair. It was one of the most loving moments of my whole life. Where does that come from? I don't know. Or facing the rage of a family member who apparently struggles to see me as a person, but instead sees me as a representation of the opposite of their beliefs. These chasms in our country in our world that open 
within families? How can we be large enough not to take it personally? How can we be large enough to keep showing up? To bridge this without striking back, without going to war, without defending, without being a doormat, I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. All I know is that I've been practicing turning towards right here with all of you. I've been practicing being present right here with all of you. What is this moment? What is the story I'm telling myself about this moment? And can I see through it? Maybe. With a lot of help. take refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, in the Sangha. Please have faith in the practice. Have faith in your capacity right here, right now. <laughs> 